When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyze it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is Lucy Buglis. Hello. Hi, thank you for inviting me. This is literally such a cool opportunity. I can't wait. So I want to start by asking, what is your history with S Club 7? And have you ever seen this TV show before? Okay, so my history with S Club 7 is taken all the way back to like compilation albums, you know, like now that's what I call music and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they were always on those albums. And when I was younger, like my my parents would like get me that album every single year. Like I loved it. Like, you know, I had like my little sort of tin, which I'd put all my CDs in and I had all of the the now that's what I call series. Um, And literally like pretty much most years I had it, there'd be a, a couple of S Club tracks on it. Um. And yeah, I think it's, you know, as a 90s kid, like, you know, it was always like at school discos and stuff as well. Like they were just, you know, you couldn't walk into like a <laughs> end of year school disco without hearing them. So it was just part of my childhood, I guess. Mm-hmm, definitely. But did you did you miss out on the TV show or did you see any of that at all? I did, yes. So I never actually knew about the TV show until you came to talk to me about Bojack Horseman. And then obviously we were talking about, you know, your your podcast and what you do. And then I learned about it and I was like, wow. <laughs> so literally I was in denial about this series until I met you. <laughs> you you've been enlightened now. You've I had have. a taste of this like 50 yeah. something episode long TV series that everyone has collectively forgotten about. It's absolutely wild. And I just, I I don't know anybody else really that's heard of it. (laughs) It's just wild, really. It's a strange one, because obviously, I think even uh, those of us who did watch it, like, we still remember the band now, obviously, and we still remember the music. But the TV show was like, just in one ear and out of the other. (laughs) God, I used to watch Steve Bibbisee all the time. I must have just completely gone over my head. That's mad. (laughs) Yeah. So today we're talking about Hollywood 7 episode 10, which is called Supporting Parts, and it aired on CBBC on the 29th of November 2001. Um, And basically, S Club 7 are performing their first big show because they're the support act for a guy called Miguel Delgado, which he's a sort of like Ricky Martin-esque pop star. Like there's literally a bit where Bradley calls him ricky martin or whatever your name is yeah and they mentioned they're going to be performing in front of ten thousand people and apparently it's also being televised live across america for some reason this gets mentioned at the beginning of the episode and then it doesn't really seem to come up again it's maybe just like raising the stakes even more for some reason Mm -hmm. it's very odd but this did make me laugh at the beginning where they see a poster for the show and in really small print at the bottom, it says opening act S. Claude 7. <laughs> yeah. No, I enjoyed that. That entire opening bit is hilarious because you've got them sort of like walking in a group and then like one of them, like for some reason, like leapfrogs frogs over like a bollard for no reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and it's just the most random thing. And then like you say, they're going to like the S. Claude thing and you're like, oh, the typo. That's glorious. Love that. <laughs> 
It just made me laugh. They're just they're just crazy kids. They're just like jumping around. I think the episode literally <laughs> starts with one of them going, "Wow!" Like because they've seen the arena and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe we're performing in front of ten thousand people!" Later, it's very like expositiony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very in your face, isn't it? It's quite. It just really sets it up to be the most chaotic thing ever. Because even from that one typo, you're like, "Oh god, what's going to happen here?" Um, and yeah. I was ready. For, I was ready for the chaos. I really was. There's a lot to take in on the poster as well because the show mm-hmm. is called the I Love My Snakeskin Pants World Tour. <laughs> Beautiful. And I like I haven't even written anything down about the graphic design because there's just too much to cover. Oh yeah. <laughs> graphic design is my passion. <laughs> it's mental. Yeah. It's very that. And um yeah, supported by S Claude Seven. Um obviously they're not too happy about that. Um, They go into the arena and their manager, Dean, tells them it's an iconic venue because it's where Barbara Streisand did her last ever show before she quit (laughs) singing. And I look this up and this doesn't seem to be a thing. (laughs) So, like, Barbara Streisand didn't ever quit singing, did she? And she would perform in front of more than 10,000 people, I would assume. You know, which is huge. Either Dean is lying or this is literally like set in an alternative dimension, which wouldn't surprise me. It would make more sense. Yeah, Yeah, it really would. Yeah, they they say some quite baffling things throughout this episode. I'm not going to lie. And you just sort of like, hmm, (laughs) okay. Yeah, including Joe reacting to this Barbara Streisand thing being like, oh, was she that bad, was she? The disrespect. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) It's horrible. So mean. They they get some time to rehearse on the stage, and Dean casually mentions that there's a choreographer coming in. To which Tina is like, "Excuse me." Oh, I love this. The choreographer. Oh, the drama. <laughs> <laughs> I. This is a very like good episode for Tina. She is basically just like seething the entire time mm-hmm. because she's been like. Even though the choreographer is only coming in to do one routine, apparently, um, Tina is just, like, not having it at all, is she? Yeah, they just kind of, you know, the, the very idea of having this stranger kind of infringe on, on their act is, is the most horrifying thing. Especially, I mean, t- she's the most annoyed by it, I think, but nobody is initially very impressed. It's a bit of a running thing in this series where it's like the band basically want to do everything themselves and don't any they they don't they don't want any sort of like they see it as meddling but it's just normal (laughs) stuff that a band would have like a choreographer it's happened before with a stylist and a pr person where for some (laughs) reason they just take it as a massive insult they're just kind of like what you think we can't do that ourselves that's so insulting and it's like you can have a choreographer guys it's okay yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? Because I think, you know, in, in show business, whatever kind of performance you do, like you say, it's incredibly normal to have PR and, you know, hair and makeup and choreography. So to be that insulted by it, I'm not entirely sure why that is. I don't know if it's them sort of, you know, taking the mick out of themselves a little bit or having a bit of fun, but it's quite a bizarre angle to have, I think. It's uh, it's it's funny, though. Yeah, it's giving kids giving kids a weird sort of like representation of the entertainment industry <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah like there's absolutely no way a band could just do everything themselves it's not it's not right that's not not how it works at all even though there's seven of them yeah <laughs> they they probably could they could take on like a task each just because there's so many people they need stuff to do that's true but they might be a little bit burned out and they i don't think that they have the skills to do you know a very good job at it as we'll see later on, they can be quite incompetent when it comes to certain things. <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> so this choreographer is called Arlene. And yeah, the band are very against having a choreographer until she shows up because the boys immediately fancy her. There's yeah. a weird sort of like curvy <laughs> shot that like pans up her whole body. And she's wearing like the worst outfit as well. It is, it's sort of like plaid like cropped trousers and then a sort of flouncy top and then she's randomly in a different outfit a few seconds later but the boys are all like four 
yeah and like i said like that's literally like the turning point then the boys are like oh let's give her a chance and whatever and it's like just so cringy it's like oh my days like it's only because you find her attractive you wouldn't be thinking that if it was like some other random person uh it just made me laugh that there's the immediate reaction like hey this is fine you know it's just so stupid yeah and the girls see right through it because they're just rolling their eyes aren't they and the boys are like come on let's give it a go it might be all right actually yeah i think that scene's just pure chaos though um and that's before you know that the main actor showed up you know before he even walks in it's it's already chaos with the choreography it's just so funny this whole episode is pure chaos i love it so much there's like there's one particular writer on this show called paul alexander and i think his episodes tend to be the most insane and this is one of his like there's always just so much going on and it's inexplicable yeah Yeah, man i mean i would have loved to be in the writer's room for this not gonna lie (laughs) what an afternoon They they start learning this new choreography and to rub salt in the wound even more, Arlene is kind of singling Tina out and telling her that she isn't getting it. And Tina is fuming. She's being yeah. like, I'm doing what you told me to do. <laughs> like she is not making any effort to be nice whatsoever. And even the boys at this point, they aren't that keen anymore because this woman is actually like making them do some work. They're kind of huffing around like, well, this isn't a lot of fun. <laughs> It's like, they still fancy her, but they're also like, oh, CBA learning this choreography. It's honestly like big, like PE teacher vibes, isn't it? And all the kids like, I don't want to do this. And then they're like, come on, like, you know, you got to get it right. And they're like, no, it's just, it's so childish. She like tells Rachel to do some push-ups at one point, doesn't she? Yeah. And then Rachel's just really pathetic about it. And it's like, do you even know what a push-up is? Come on. (laughs) Just ridiculous. This is the point where Miguel Delgado comes in and steals the episode. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What a character this is. (laughs) His opening line is, who are these peasants on the stage? (laughs) (laughs) He says something along the lines of, uh, why are you in my eyeline or something as well? Which is the stupidest, who says that? (laughs) Just made me laugh so much. Yeah, it is quite an entrance. He has no idea who they are. I enjoyed this whole exchange where they tell him they're his support act and he's like, oh, right, S. Claude 7. (laughs) (laughs) And when he tells them he's heard their single, they're all like, oh, really? And he goes, yeah, it was garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not even blinking, just like, it was garbage, guys. I also love the idea that, like, this guy doesn't even know who his own support act is. Uh, presumably because you you, you would have thought that like you know if you're going on tour with somebody you would at least know who they were to some extent but he's just like i don't know who you are maybe it's just a pride thing i don't know (laughs) yeah it's your show so so surely you would like pick out the support act because you want them to like be your sort of vibe like appeal to your audience exactly you don't just like randomly choose a band (laughs) he thinks they're garbage (laughs) yeah well that's Giving your fans garbage, that's brilliant. (laughs) We love to see it. I looked up this actor and he's in quite a lot of stuff, like on IMDb, like a range of like American and Spanish language stuff. His name is like Shalim Ortiz. So good for him. I think he's pretty strong in this episode. He's It's a kind of one-note character. Well, I suppose he's unconscious later, so that's like the second side to him. He has to have some range. But um, I think he's pretty decent in this episode. He stands out. Yeah, I think it's it's a very fun character, you know, like the, the, the obnoxious, like, pop star, you know, kind of character. The one that's like, you know, the, the diva, really insufferable, has a lot of weird quirks about him like he wants chewing gum all the time for some reason you know just just stupid things about him it's it's a fun character to play i'd imagine i'd I'd like to be a diva that would be quite a fun thing to do yeah he's obsessed with chewing gum isn't he it's like i don't know why he keeps (laughs) sending people out to get chewing gum for him one guy has to like go in a limo and come back with it (laughs) isn't there one bit where he's talking to his bodyguard and the bodyguard is like but sir you've already got six thousand packs in your dressing room yeah, and then he's like, I want more, and the bodyguard's like, okay. <laughs> that is very odd. Maybe it's like a code. Maybe it's not really chewing gum. Oh, yeah, maybe it's something shady. 
Because when the guy like trips out of the limo and spills that bag, at first I was thinking like, what the hell is that? Because it does look like it could be like pills or something. Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe it's just chewing gum and the guy's completely mental. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's probably that. He's obsessed with it. And it's, it's kind of established that he has some sort of history with the choreographer, but we don't really know what it is. He, he just mm-hmm. seems to sort of recognise her and he's like, oh, your career's obviously going really badly. And he says something about her being the movement coordinator for Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> Dream job. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not an insult, man. I would love to do that. What a job. <laughs> it's just, he's so mean to everybody, though. It's like the state of this guy. Just Jesus. <laughs> Also, telling her that her career is going really badly. It's like, it's not that bad to be choreographing a routine for like the band that's supporting you. Like, what's so bad about that? Yeah, why are you insulting people that are literally on your set? Doesn't make any sense. It's very <laughs> odd. And we don't know what's happened. Like, did they work together in the past? Were they like maybe in a relationship? It's never, it never doesn't, it doesn't go any further than this. It doesn't really come up again, yeah. but there's some sort of history Something there. happened, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Something happened. She left him. She left him. <laughs> yeah. Let, well, let's assume that's what it is. Tina is visibly mm-hmm. like enjoying the fact that she's being humiliated. She's kind of smirking behind her, like, oh, Arlene's getting told off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tina's really petty in this episode, actually. I don't know. Like, I, I haven't seen any of the other episodes. Is she normally like this? Um,. No, they all kind of vary from episode to episode. Okay. <laughs> whatever the whatever the plot requires. I quite like Petty Tina though. Yeah. Yeah, I just because I'm, I'm quite I'm quite curious to watch the rest of the episodes now, I'm not gonna lie, just to see how they kind of develop, if if they develop at all, really. Oh, um, there is no character <laughs> development in this show. They don't learn anything. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> they don't develop, they don't learn any lessons. Damn. Who are these peasants on stage? Who are you and why are you in my island? <clears throat> we're performing here. Well, there's no basketball tonight. Oh, no, we're not a team, we're a band. Yeah, well, you're a supporting band. Mm. Oh, so you're S-Club 7? <laughs> it's club. It's S-Club 7. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so, are we? Yes. We're big fans of yours, Mr Delgado. Uh, yeah, that's only to be expected. Oh, um, I brought my cameras. Okay, to get a little... No, 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 no. No photos, because one, it is an invasion of my private life, and two, I'm not wearing any makeup. You may buy an autograph later, and since you're my opening band, I'll give you a 2% discount. Possibly. We, we were really hoping that we could, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah, wait. It's Club 7. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, my manager, no, my, my attorney, no, possibly my agent's agent, or my... Attorney's manager. Yeah, he played me your single. Did he? Yeah, it was garbage. This is una porqueria. <laughs> Enough. Now we must rehearse. There's a bit in the next scene, actually, isn't there, where they've been kicked off the stage because Miguel wants to use it. So they're practicing outside. And mm. Tina is kind of, she's like chatting back to Arlene a bit. And she says something about like, oh, did you learn that when you were movement director on Barney? And, and Arlene, like, walks off, like, I need a minute after that sick burn. I need to recover from that. <laughs> it's just the most, like, obscure insult, though. Like, you know, if she is working on Barney, that's great. If she's not, where the hell did that come from? It's just it's just a bizarre thing to say to somebody, isn't it? And Tina is annoyed with Bradley specifically because he's really like sucking up to Arlene. Yeah. And Bradley is just openly like, well, if I fancied you, Tina, I'd take your side instead. <sighs> so shallow, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, no loyalties in this band. They, they, they've they known each other for years. This woman has just turned up and Bradley's like, well, I'm with her now. She's barely even looked at me, but I am on this woman's side. I'm going to back her all the way over Tina. So in the show, have these guys ever like split up or gone like the separate ways or anything? Um, occasionally, there was one episode actually where Bradley. There was a bit of friction with Bradley because okay. he joined another band at the same time, and Paul was the one who was like, "Oh well, you have to leave then." Like the others didn't really care that much. They were kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, do your thing." But Paul was like, "No, it's in the S Club Constitution. You can only be an S Club." <laughs> 
<laughs> the constitution stop it again the characters changing from episode to episode because there are multiple episodes where paul is very like the kind of authoritative one and the one who's kind of laying down the law and Mm -hmm. i mean he's barely present in this episode oh it's just i asked i asked that because like you said that there's not a lot of loyalty clearly and i was curious if there'd been any like beef in the past that had made them like split up or anything dramatic happen that that does not surprise me at all honestly they're they're pretty much always kind of like making fun of each other and like sniping at each other so i think that's just kind of like the norm for them so something really big (laughs) would have to happen for them to actually split up because their just normal state is like being like ew at each other all the time yeah like like they're about like how old are they supposed to be anyway in this like they're all about 20 like some of them are slightly older some of i think some of them are like 19 even at this point um like when the when it all started john was like 17 yeah you you would assume they'd be a lot younger the way they behave though it's so ridiculous i don't know any 20 year olds that behave like this i'm like what are you doing just nuts also the bit here where bradley calls arlene tasty made me cringe so much oh, <laughs> i hated no. that no not it's even bradley can pull that off no it's, there's a lot of cringy moments in this episode actually a lot of cringy dialogue Oof. yeah that that was rough <laughs> Yeah, the the band are then in their dressing room, which we're told is really bad because it's a bathroom, but it's actually pretty big, I thought. Like, it's basically two toilet cubicles in, like, the corner of a big spacious room. Yeah, it's massive. It really is. This isn't bad. (laughs) It's like the biggest public toilet I've ever seen, where there's, like, two toilets in the corner of the room. Yeah, because like, doesn't Miguel make a joke about like how he put them in? Like he requested to put them in there, like put them in the bathroom, and it's like yeah. but it's not. It's not even that bad though. Like it's fine. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, I used to dance when I was younger, and I've been in many worse dressing rooms than this. Like mm. my dance teacher would have looked at this room and been like, "Yeah, we can fit thirty girls in there, fine." <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know if you thought this was some kind of, like, punishment, but honestly, like, they were having a good time in that dressing room. It's fine, you know? Just very strange. And I like how Dean has just completely (laughs) gone off and is, like, doing his own thing, because he's their manager. You'd think he would be with them throughout the day, but it's like they just keep bumping into him around the arena, and he's just, like, eating cake and living his best life. Oh, yeah, because he's on a diet, isn't he? So he's kind of like sneak eaten, but he's just yeah. like not doing his job. He's just eating cake. And it's like, Dean, please. Yeah, maybe <laughs> that's it. Doing? He's like deliberately avoiding them so he can go off and like eat. Because they've run into him at one point and they're like, oh, you're eating cake. And it's this whole thing. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And at, at that point as well, they should have other priorities going on because they're like mm. having a crisis and they still of find course. time to like shame Dean for eating some cake. Yeah. Hashtag let Dean have his cake. <laughs> the poor guy. He's been through shit today. Let him have his cake. So it's one hour until the show starts. Mm-hmm. And when somebody mentions that, Tina starts kind of like gasping and like making a really weird high pitch noise. <laughs> She's so dramatic. <laughs> Tina is just like peak, sort of like hun in this episode i think she's absolute chaos she really is but she was she's probably a highlight for me i think in this episode you know i think just like you say like the second she hears like oh one hour she's like oh my god so yeah i mean i can kind of relate to that though you know with the countdown you get a bit stressed don't you You get a bit in your head but maybe not that dramatic though yeah she's freaking out like making this ridiculous noise um miguel comes in at this point and Having learnt nothing from their encounter with him before, the band seem really expectant, like he's going to maybe wish them good luck or something or give them <laughs> some words of encouragement. But he just tells them to keep their awful noise down when they're on stage because he's we wants to go and have a nap. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> Who has a nap before they go on stage? I mean, really? You're in an arena. It's going to be loud. <laughs> Like this idiot (laughs) asks them to keep the noise down it's ridiculous and when he leaves the band are all like 
ooh, and are doing sort of like a weird gesture that I don't really get. Um, and Bradley randomly goes, well, he starts kind of doing an impression of Miguel and then he goes, I am the law, like Judge Dredd. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, some of the dialogue in this is a bit questionable. It's like, is this, is this a joke? Is this, I don't really know. It's it's funny, but maybe it's not meant to be. I don't really know. It's pretty wild. Judge, Judge Dredd didn't come out in 2001, did it? It wasn't like a, a reference of the time. <laughs> well, that's very true. Yeah, I don't really understand it. <laughs> it's like, was Judge Dredd really big and really popular with CBBC watching children at the time? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bradley says, I am the law for some reason. Um, meanwhile, John and Hannah are off just kind of going crazy around the arena like they've eaten a load of sugar or something. John is like pushing Hannah around on a big trolley and they're like just screaming. <laughs> it's very, like, honestly, when this first happened, I just burst out laughing. I was like, what is going on here? Like, you're going on stage in an hour and you're, like, messing around like you were doing, like, a school corridor or something. Like, what is this? What are you doing? It is <laughs> very, nuts. like, um, the run-up to, like, a primary school show. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're in the toilets getting changed. They've got, like, some food. They're not even dressed yet, we learn later. They're just in their normal clothes. And then two of them are like off running around screaming in the corridors. Yeah, it's like this is not how a band would prepare, surely. I mean, clearly these guys do, but, you know. And I think all the gigs that I've gone to, they haven't been backstage, like pushing each other around on a chair or something. Like, you know, I just just don't understand. (laughs) That is the rock and roll lifestyle. (laughs) And obviously this leads to chaos, which is probably my favourite moment. (laughs) Not going to lie. Yeah, this is where we get this collision, don't we? (laughs) The best. Because, yeah, Miguel is leaving the dressing room and as he's sort of walking around, John and Hannah collide with him and they sort of, like, shove him into a bin or something, don't they? And then he just, (laughs) like, is knocked out on the floor. And I love how he's, like, lying face down and they don't know who it is. And then John flips him over and is like, oh, it's Miguel Delgado. And it's like, do you not recognize him from the back? He's wearing like a red silk shirt and leather trousers. Who else is it going to be? Oh, it's so funny that moment, isn't it? Because it's not like it's, you know, it's not like it's ghost face. You haven't got to like unmask him. Like it's very clearly the guy that you're here to support. Like what, what is, <laughs> come on guys, really? <laughs> it's just like, like you say the shock. It's like, oh my God. You're like, well, yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> Why are you shocked? <laughs> and of course they immediately assume that they've killed him. Mm. Which is hilarious because that's really dramatic. Like literally you just crashed into him and he fell over. Like he's not going to be dead, is he? Like, what? what is this? <laughs> it did make quite a sort of crashing noise, though. Like, all the sound effects in this episode are way too over the top. Like, it did sound like he was hit by a car or something, the amount of noise it made. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know who did the sound design on this episode, but it is pretty hysterical, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's extreme. <laughs> I enjoyed this where Hannah says, like, oh, we've killed him, you know what this means. And John goes, more time on stage? that is i think my favorite line in this episode that is like an actually good line and that's exactly what they want as well man that's the end goal have more time on stage congrats (laughs) it only took you killing a man but whatever (laughs) absolutely no remorse (laughs) and throughout the rest of the episode hannah is quite concerned that they're gonna have to like flee the country or flee the city (laughs) And, like, get new identities. It's as if she's thought about this in the past. Like, she's got this, she's already got a sort of new identity in her head where she's like, oh, I'm going to have to have loads of surgery and I'm going to be called Iggy. It's like, what are you talking about, Hannah? Yeah, it's literally the most dramatic over the top. Like, you would have thought they'd, like, robbed a bank or they'd had, like, a drug cartel or something. It's like, what are you talking about? You don't have to flee the country. What is this? (laughs) This is like a big, well, I was going to say this is a flaw with the rest of the episode. There are many flaws with this episode, but (laughs) this is a flaw where it's like, yeah, they haven't like, they haven't accidentally killed him. They've accidentally knocked him out and they feel like they have to keep this a secret and deal with it just amongst themselves. 
And like, also, there are no witnesses. So they could literally just, mm. you know, say that something else happened. Like, oh, yeah, we saw him fall over and blah, blah, blah. But like, throughout the rest of the episode, it's like, no, we need to make him conscious again. And we can't tell anyone what's going on. Yeah, you would have thought like, you know, logically, you know, if that had happened to me, I would at least go and get like first aid or like the bod- or his bodyguard or something. They'd be like, hey, man, you know, this guy is unconscious. This has happened. Not like drag him into the dressing room <laughs> and then just make things worse. <laughs> Which they do. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Food! Can you believe in one hour we're going to be opening for Miguel Delgado? <gasps> Tina, just c- calm down. You're getting hysterical. <gasps> Look, calm down. <gasps> sorry, sorry. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, Delgado! Oh my gosh, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh. Oh! Thanks, Tina. That was cool. Cheers. My pleasure, Paul. You know, this gig's really getting to us. We're getting far too overexcited. John and Hannah ain't. They just went for a walk. Okay, okay, okay. Last one back to the desk. Who's your backup singer? Oh. I need more gum. But, Mrs. Delgado, you have 6,000 packs in your dressing room. I need fresh gum. Yes, sir. Could help us so hard. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! No! 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 No!
good. That is actually like, I think we've made this up and this wasn't actually thought through, but I think that is a good motivation for everything Dean does in this episode. Like he just is only thinking about cake. And that, <laughs> I, I'm happier with that. I'm happier thinking that that's the reason why he can't see through the obvious thing that this man's unconscious. Yeah, he's just, he's so done at this point. You know, I mean, I don't blame him. Imagine managing these guys, the state of it, honestly. <laughs> it would drive me mad. <laughs> and after he leaves, the girls start taking photos with Miguel. Oh, this like, scene. Like, sort of draping themselves all over him and taking photos. And the boys are just standing there like, um, should we, like, take him outside for a bit? Yeah, I don't really understand why they've done this. <laughs> it's not very consensual is it no it's just don't they ask for like assigned um something at some point yeah there's a bit earlier where i think one of them asks for a, an autograph or a photo or something and he that's says something it. about like oh that's an invasion of my privacy so now in this bit it's like he's unconscious so we're gonna go completely against his wishes yeah that, that, that's why i mentioned it because i was pretty sure one of them had asked and you know he, he was very against that and now they're like oh he's unconscious so i just would do it come on man <laughs> leave the guy alone and it's the way they're literally they're not just like posing next to him they're literally like lying all over him yeah it's pretty pretty extra right they're just sort of like literally using him as like a piece of furniture and it's like okay it's number one you've got a show to prepare for you might want to do that <laughs> second of all what are you doing really just so it's crazy this show it really is and that little montage of them getting photos is very like oh isn't this fun like it's got some like fun music with it <laughs> like oh what are they like yeah yeah there's something a little eerie about that really because you think this man is unconscious this is not consensual and you've got this jolly music and it's like hmm all right <laughs> let's roll with it i guess if they show anyone those photos later, anyone looking at them is clearly going to be like, did you drug him or something? He looks pretty uh, rough. Yeah, he's like completely unresponsive and he's wearing sunglasses indoors as well. Like, <laughs> Very, very strange. But yeah, it, it's a funny, I love that scene. That was a lot of fun just because it just killed me and how bizarre it was from hitting the head on the sink to taking selfies with an unconscious person. You're like, my Lord, what's going to happen next? <laughs> Well, they they do eventually take him outside when the girls are done with him. They take him outside. They've got him sitting in like an office chair with wheels. So they're just sort of spinning him around like, oh, this might do something. <laughs> there isn't really a strategy. It's just like, let's spin him around in the fresh air and see if he wakes up. And they manage to bump into Dean again, literally mm -hmm. bumping into Dean. They sort of hit him with the chair another way too loud sound effect at this point i was like oh no they've knocked yeah, dean out it's... as well but they haven't luckily <laughs> i don't know what they're thinking like what what do they, what do they think's gonna happen just <sighs> yeah dean's got his cake at this point and he's a little bit more suspicious before maybe because he's had some sugar now he's thinking a bit more clearly because he's kind of looking at miguel in a sort of hmm something's not right here way but he doesn't really pursue it that much he's just kind of like he just kind of goes off, doesn't he? And then the band take Miguel away again. And Bradley's being all sort of like, oh, what's that, Miguel? You want to go back to your dressing room? Okay, then. <laughs> yeah, that this whole scene is strange as well, because like, who like wheels somebody out on like a chair outside <laughs> and, and spins them around and then takes them back? And it's like, this is like, you could not be more obviously lying if you tried, really. Um, it's just, it's hilarious. Clearly something is very wrong. And Dean is kind of like, hmm, something seems off, but I'm going to just leave it. It'll be fine. Yeah, like Dean has just checked out at this point. I swear to God, he's just not interested. <laughs> it's, just, it's that cake, man. I'm telling you, it's all he wants. Just cake. <laughs> it looks like a plate of cream as well, doesn't it? It's like he's got it all around his mouth. It's like quite an extreme cake. Yeah, maybe he's just eating cream, honestly. You know, I just, he just really, really wants that sugar. I mean, <laughs> he needs it to keep up with these guys. <laughs> Yeah, Escobs haven't have driven him to this. Mm -hmm. He's like secret eating. Yeah, this is not great, Dean. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> so they wheel Miguel back into the arena, at which point they bump into Arlene and they tell her that they've been for a run together because she's like, oh, what's going on here? Why is Miguel with you? And I found this whole bit quite confusing because this is the bit where Miguel's bodyguard comes over 
So the band, like, take Miguel away, like, oh, quick, the bodyguard's coming. Again, they should just tell him that something's happened, but no, they're like, we need to keep this between ourselves. Uh, (laughs) They wheel him away, but Tina stays with Arlene, and Arlene basically lies for them and tells the bodyguard that she's just seen Miguel and he's fine, and you have to go and wait for him in his dressing room. And it's like, number one, why is she lying for these people? (laughs) And number two, like, how has she even established what's going on? Like, she literally saw them with Miguel for two seconds. (laughs) And she's immediately computed it all and been like, oh, I know what must have happened. And now I'm going to lie in order to save them. (laughs) It's a very weird situation. Yeah, it is. Like like you say, first of all, why would she be nice to these people who've basically just like being horrible to her and messed about and they're not really on the best terms and then secondly like you say how how has she pieced this together honestly (laughs) like if you thought somebody was unconscious you'd be like right the jig's up here i'm just gonna go and tell somebody that this this accident's happened you wouldn't just be like oh sound yeah go go wait in the dressing room it's just yeah i never really thought about that until you mentioned it and now i'm like (laughs) hmm yeah this is odd Yes, every time I watched this scene, I was like, what is her motivation here? And why does she even know what the issue is? Like, if there was a little bit where they kind of explained to her what had happened, and then she had to make the choice whether to like, turn them in or whether to like lie for them, that would make more sense. But there's no conversation. She just sees them with Miguel in a chair for like two seconds. And then is suddenly like, I mean, she doesn't know them at all. They could have like drugged him for all she knows. And she's just like backed them up. Yeah, like, you know, they could have done something like, you know, like, hey, like, Arlene, don't tell anybody, shh, or something. We don't even have that, do we? It's literally just, oh, hey, 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 uh, we're going to go now. And it's, yeah. And she's just like, okay. Yeah, strange character. They just kind of use it as an excuse, don't they, to sort of make her and Tina make up with each other? Because Tina's the one who stays there, Mm -hmm. and... When Arlene starts to lie for them, Tina is, again, being an absolute hun, just being like, it's a lie. Whatever she's saying, it's not true. And then she realizes that Arlene is actually on their side. And then they kind of make up and Tina says, thank you. And it's kind of like, oh, they kind of just wanted to resolve that like rivalry. But none of it makes sense. Yeah, it's very unrealistic. And I mean, you know, I've watched a lot of Save the Busy shows. Like, I know that there's a lot of very... There's a big oversimplification of things, but in this instance, like this is like beyond that. This is like this doesn't make any sense. Like Arlene has no reason to be nice to you guys. Frankly, I wouldn't if I were her. I'd be like, nah, nah, man, you're on your own. I'm not helping you. Like you know, dispose of this body or whatever you've done. I'm not going to help. Like I'm out. I'm out, guys. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and we never see her again. <laughs> yeah, and then she just disappears into the into the void or something. <laughs> Goodbye, Arlene. <laughs> Hey, you guys are supposed to be stretching. Right. Is that Miguel? Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's just uh, saving his voice. Yeah, yeah. He's just been for a run with us outside. And now he's at his physical peak, all pumped up, and a performing machine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Hey. Guys, guys. What a god, quick! <laughs> hey. Have either one of you seen Miguel? Yeah, actually, I have. He just jogged by here about a minute ago. (laughs) It's a lie. (laughs) It's a total... Uh, Yeah, that's that's exactly where he is. Yeah, he's he's warming up his voice for the show. Said he wanted you to wait for him in his dressing room. Mm. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Hey, no problem. Remember your stretches. Yeah. The band are then back in the dressing room. They've got Miguel's head in the sink again. They've clearly run out of ideas. They're like, oh, just <laughs> stick him in the sink again. And they're all kind of like, oh, you know, he's so, he's still unconscious. How annoying. It's like, go get some help. He could be dying. Yeah, man. Like, could be head trauma, like you said earlier. Like, serious head injury. <laughs> like, you shouldn't just ignore head injuries. It's pretty serious, you know? <laughs> It's like, get some more water on his face. That might work this time. Yeah, I just stick him in the sink, just drown him. That'll do. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Poor guy. Like, honestly, at this point, you start to feel sorry for Miguel because he's not a very nice person, but you're like, imagine 
Like your unconscious body going through all of this nonsense. Like seriously, yeah. like it's just nobody deserves this. Nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> they then hear this announcement that's like, ladies and gentlemen, S Club Seven, and realize that they're supposed to be on stage. Like, is no one working in this arena? <laughs> like, nobody thought to Wait. come and get them, or like the show's just starting and they're still in the dressing room. And it's established as well that they're not even changed yet because they sort of <laughs> run out of the door, don't they? And then I think Rachel is like, oh no, we haven't got changed yet. And they have to go back in and get changed. So yeah, because you've wasted so much time with this unconscious man that you haven't even bothered to like rehearse properly or get changed. And there's like you say, where's the staff? You know, the, <laughs> with the clipboard that goes, you're on next. Where were they? <laughs> Ridiculous. When they're sort of running around in the corridors earlier, it looks pretty empty as well, doesn't it? Like the, this is a massive concert, <laughs> and there's just like nobody working at the arena. It's like a skeleton crew supposedly 10,000 people in this arena. How did they get in? You know, who was checking the tickets? <laughs> is there a bar? <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> like, it's just this wasteland of an arena. <laughs> How yeah. long is the audience now waiting for while S Club 7 get changed <laughs> when they've literally already been announced? Oh, it, it's hilarious. Um, does the announcer call them club or clod? I can't remember. I think club... So oh, something's clearly clawed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would have liked it if you know how in between a lot of the scenes they have the little transition that kind of goes S Club. I would yeah. have liked it if on this episode they changed it to Claude. Oh, that would have been great. Oh yeah. I was actually, actually going to say to you, I completely forgot to mention, I love the, the random musical bits that just pop up now and then, just into their <laughs> songs. It's hilarious. <laughs> just out of nowhere. <laughs> And very sort of like PowerPoint transition, like oh, sweeping to the side. Even the intro for this particular series, the Hollywood one, is hilarious. Big fan of that. Yeah, <laughs> dancing <laughs> on top of some word art. Yeah, like you said, exactly like you said on Twitter. I think you said it was like a PowerPoint presentation or something. It's, it's just so <laughs> funny. <laughs> Love it. Very colourful though. I think the graphic design on the poster at the beginning is is a good one. I'll put that on Twitter for people to see. <laughs> yes, yeah, we, we really can't describe it effectively on the podcast. You're going to have to see it properly. <laughs> <laughs> so they finally go to the stage to start their performance. God knows how long the audience have been waiting. Um <laughs> They start performing and we get all these shots of a massive audience which have clearly just been taken from an S Club 7 show because we can clearly see that there are people holding S Club 7 signs even though this is supposed to be a Miguel Delgado show and they're like the sort of unknown supporting act. It's like Miguel Delgado has a, a fan base that's like eight-year-old girls holding mm -hmm. S Club 7 signs. Yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? Because I know with certain gigs, sometimes you might have a support that people do know. But it, like you said, it's implied that they're quite unknown and they're looking for a break and whatever. So what, why are there all these like stands in the audience? Like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like you would have thought that they'd have like Miguel signs, or, like Miguel shirts or something. But, I mean, to be fair, that would have been quite hard to coordinate, I'd imagine. So it's just cheaper yeah. to, get a, to get like stock footage of, of, of a gig, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, maybe the backstory is they made their signs during the performance because they were so into it. They were like, we need to swap our signs now. We need to have S Club merchandise. Well, they were just so bored of waiting that they passed the time by making the signs. Maybe that was it. I don't know. <laughs> just been waiting for so yeah. long. They needed an activity to do while they got changed. <laughs> Arts and crafts while they were getting ready. Yeah. And during their set, they keep like running off stage one at a time to check on Miguel because he's still just... <laughs> slumped in a chair in the wings like imagine watching a band and like one by one they're just like running off stage and coming back yeah you would be like this is sus man what's going on back there <laughs> something's going on here <laughs> yeah and nobody questions it just... yeah at one point there's a transition to like 20 minutes later so they're coming to the end of their set john runs off and is like come on miguel we only know one more song <laughs> yeah this is this is priceless this though because they've been performing and then they get to this point and it's like how did you not think that you know people are going to be wanting to see miguel you idiots what are you doing what did you think was going to happen that you could just be like oh see you guys bye and then leave you know <laughs> like obviously you have to resolve the little issue that you've like knocked out the main act 
but it's, it just, just doesn't go through their heads that like, that's an issue, really. And clearly nobody working backstage either. Nobody's noticed, like, no staff, presumably no. by this point, Miguel has been AWOL for, like, what, like an hour and a half or something? And he's due to go on stage, like, in a minute. And all the rest of the staff are just like, this is fine, I'm sure he's somewhere. Yeah, like, it's just bizarre. <laughs> But just there's not a lot of security in this venue. I'm a little concerned. Just anybody can just waltz in, you know. Yeah, we see his bodyguard earlier, but he's oh. mainly just talking about chewing oh, it's gum. Funny. <laughs> this is the point where Miguel actually does start to wake up, and mm-hmm. he gets knocked out yet again because yes. they're perf- they're performing S Club Party. Tina does a little kick on the bit where it's like Tina's doing her dance. She kicks her foot, her shoe flies all the way off the stage and hits Miguel and knocks him out again <laughs> just as he's waking up. That's honestly so much slapstick humor in this episode. It's hilarious <laughs> to me. Like, like it's so extra. Like you see, like the sound effect, the, the, the ridiculous sort of the, the physics of, of how he gets knocked out doesn't make any sense. But it's we just sort of take it at face value and go, oh, okay. <laughs> and he gets knocked out three times. Three. Because <laughs> I don't think the shoe even really hits him in the head, does it? It, like, hits him in his stomach and he's like, oh, I'm unconscious again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this poor guy, like, three times the head trauma at this point. It's just not good. And yeah, John's with him. And I like how when Tina comes off stage, she's like, how's it going? And John goes to tell her what happened and he just doesn't bother. He's like, I just won't tell her. <laughs> like, this is too just messy now. still not doing anything. It's just, guys, what a mess. <laughs> oh, no, no this, this is a two-part, two-part episode, right? This is like, there's a second part. Yeah, yes. which is very odd because that's never happened before. It's like, and at the end of this one, it doesn't say anything like to be continued. It's just, it seems pretty like the end, doesn't it? Yeah, because I was just about to say like, you know, this so story rich and dramatic, they had to have a second part. I mean, geez, (laughs) what what happens to Miguel? You know, I mean, I I need to go and watch the second episode now, I'm not going to lie. So Miguel is still unconscious at this point. Um, they've only got one more song left before the end of their set and they have a little bit of a group huddle on the stage. Again, weird. What are the audience thinking at this point? They have a little like debate because they're like, well, they're kind of convinced, aren't they, that they're going to get found out and then the audience are going to turn on them and kill them. <laughs> like that's what they think is going to happen. They just need to chill out, honestly. You know, this could have been resolved so easily. Like it's like you said earlier, if they just gone and got somebody or said what had happened. You don't need to flee the country. You're not going to get murdered. Everything's fine. Accidents happen. Why are they so dramatic? I don't really understand. <laughs> this is a life or death situation. And they agree that they are going to make the most of this final song. It's a bit mm. bleak, really. They think they're basically going to die. They're going to like get like a mob attack and the song that they're going to go out to is friday night i mean if there's any song i'm going out to it's going to be that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and this is a song from their first album which is a bit unusual because normally it's like each series matches up with a different album and they're on the third one now so this song is kind of like an oldie in the s club world um but yeah, it's uh, odd. It's just like, we're going to die. Let's perform Friday night and really go out on a high, guys. Yeah, it's just, I would love to like be in their kind of headspace though, because, you know, like, not like, honestly, I'm an anxious person. I get nervous. I get scared, but I'm not that dramatic. Like, geez, like, I'm not going <laughs> to, like, I'm going to die because this thing's happened. Like, just guys, just chill. Just, it's okay. <laughs> You're fine. Maybe because there's so many of them. They've, like, worked each other up. Like, it's a bad <laughs> influence thing. Like, there's a condition, isn't there, where it's sort of like, I can't remember what the name of it is now, but it's some sort of, like, mania where it's like when there's a group of people or there's two people or something, it's like you can all kind of oh yeah so like... I, I know this because i'm i'm weird like that it's called it's traditionally it's called folly a dirt it means uh madness shared by two that's it yeah um, there were some twins yeah. wasn't there mm-hmm. who like ran into some traffic uh <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 it's pretty... this is what s club has <laughs> yeah like folly uh set 
Is that, is that, is that, is that <laughs> yeah. apologies to any French listeners? I'm really crap at French, but yeah, so like Madness Shared by Seven in this case, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is that explains a lot of the show. This is what S Club Seven are suffering from. <laughs> <laughs> We've just cracked it, that's it. We've just diagnosed <laughs> them on this podcast that this is the issue that they have. Yeah. Not a doctor, so... don't come after me. <laughs> <laughs> so... They think they're going to get, like, mobbed and killed by this crowd of 10-year-old girls in the audience. Like, 10,000 10-year-old girls are going to kill them. Um, but their performance seems to go down very well. They finish their set. They run off stage, and Miguel has miraculously woken up at this point. So they're like, oh, my God, amazing. Everything's fine. <laughs> but he's pretty out of it, isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's just kind of stumbling around. They send him on stage anyway. And he goes up to the mic and is kind of like, where am I? What's going on? And the audience are immediately furious. Yeah, fuming. They're yeah. like booing him. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them, right? Because they've got, they've got to this venue, there's no staff, you know, like, like we say, you know, they've been waiting for ages, <laughs> S-Club are just chaos. And now this, it's not, not, the, not the best night out, is it, really? It's just that what, what he's saying is so kind of like, mild like he's not kicking off or anything he's just kind of like where am i what's going on and the crowd are like like, get off the stage we hate you now (laughs) oh no yeah it's it's hilarious i love it i love this it's that it was amnesia kind of plot twist you're like oh jesus here we go love it (laughs) yeah if they've turned this quickly maybe ask club seven were right to be worried maybe they were yeah get out of there (laughs) that that crowd were ready to just like attack somebody poor miguel man yeah, even though he, it was set up that he was horrible, nobody deserved this day. No, no. I mean, that's a, a career low, if you ask me. <laughs> so the band obviously freak out and leg it because the audience are going mad. But as they're running away, we can hear the audience in the distance kind of starting to chant, we want S Club, we want S Club. And that's the end. It seems like, you know, the tide has turned they this this massive audience now hate their favorite pop star Miguel Delgado and they want S Club back they want a full S Club show and that's the the resolution to the episode oh it's hilarious like you say like this one minor tiny incident and they're like nah screw Miguel we don't want Miguel anymore we've had enough (laughs) we want this chaotic support act (laughs) who kept running off the stage every five seconds ah yes this is who we want to see this is it Oh, one of them lost a shoe beautiful. at one point. It was great. She kicked it right off the stage. Yep. See that those S Club uh, little signs they have is coming really handy. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, as you mentioned, the next episode is a continuation of this one, yep. which seems odd because it doesn't say to be continued at the end. It just does for some reason. Um, so we'll find out <laughs> what happens next week and uh, when the band decide to go into hiding because they think they're in trouble. Oh, what a way to end. Glorious. <laughs> <laughs> so any final thoughts on this episode at all? Did you like have any notes that we haven't mentioned already? I think you know, we've covered most of it, but I think for me it's just you know delving into... This is completely new territory for me, like I said at the beginning, and it's just so was so fun to see what you'd been working on all this time and you know, how chaotic the series really is. Like I knew it was <laughs> going to be a little bit cringe, a little bit mental, but I wasn't quite expecting this. <laughs> and I am so happy that I got to do this episode in particular because this one was absolutely wild. And I just think as a standalone, it is just so much fun. And I do want to see the second part now, I really do. Yeah, this episode is a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this was a good one to do, I think. Yeah, you were, I was going to say you were lucky. I don't know if lucky is the right word, but it's quite a fun episode compared to some of the others. I consider myself lucky. I like a bit of, you know, cringe TV, a little bit of, you know, like I say, slapstick, a little bit of over-the-topness, which is definitely what I got from this episode. Uh, yeah, no, this was, you know, I kind of want to watch more of it now. I don't know what you've done to me, but but I'm here for it. And you also got Miguel Delgado, who I think might I be did. the MVP of the series. I think Absolutely. It, mm. what a character <laughs> to come in and be like, who are these peasants about S Club 7? Yeah, why are you in my eyeline? I'm going to start saying that to everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> what a line. <laughs> So before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything you'd like to plug? 
Oh, sure. Um, so on Twitter, um, I am at Lucy Jade Buglis. Um, I also have a podcast, which Sophie has been on, uh, called TV Time Pod. So it's at T, the letter V, Time Pod. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.